welcome to the next episode of Cinematrimony. I'm Matt Scalisi. The next episode. Yeah, the current episode that you're listening to now. <laughs> I'm Matt Scalisi, and with me, Francesca Scalisi, my lovely wife. Aww. Um, And, I mean, safe to say that you probably liked th- this movie that we're talking about today more than the last movie that we um, podcasted about? Yes. You think? A little bit. Do you want to murder anyone involved in the production right now? I don't. Well, I, okay. I'd say you definitely like this one more than. I want than. to kiss them all in the mouth. Okay, well, we'll get into <laughs> it. I'm looking at you. We'll get into it specifically as we go. But um, today we are talking about The King's Speech, as Francesca mentioned. Directed by Tom Hooper, and uh, you, you kind of noted as we were walking out of the movie, you were not aware going into the movie who directed it. Tom Hooper's not. Well, and I did have to say to you, and what did who he is do? that? Yeah, well, he's not a big name. I mean, he's honestly um, the only two things of note that he's done. He did a British film that not very many people saw called The Damned United, which was about a uh, soccer team. Uh, and and uh, it was pretty well reviewed for the most part. But really, the thing he was probably most known for is that he did the HBO miniseries on John Adams, which you and I did watch. Indeed. And I thought was really, really well done. And uh, and I would say there's a lot of similarity between the King's Speech and John Adams in the way that, obviously, in every, in every way. I mean, it, it it's basically sort of going for the same thing it's telling it's taking a, a, a sort of mythicized probably great figure in history and it's sort of it's very much humanizing him and sort of making him look you know it, it's, it takes somebody that you go that you sort of think of more as this abstract figure and it's going well he was a real man he had a lot of fears and hang-ups and and what I really let's start off by talking about this I guess what I really like about what Tom Hooper did in this movie and also in John Adams, he focused on it a lot, is the family aspect. And maybe it's just me because I'm uh, married and have a child. But I feel like he really made those palpable, like, important forces in the life of the main character, which for the purposes of this podcast, do you want to call him Bertie or do you want to call him the king? Okay. We'll call him the king, okay? You know... I think a lot of movies, especially about famous people, they kind of brush off the kid thing. The kids are running around in the background. They might say, like, oh, yeah, well, we think about your son. But, like, in John Adams and here, the kids are really well-developed characters. And you can really – you get a couple of scenes here where you see him with the little girls. He obviously cares a lot about his daughters. And you get these really nice scenes where he's playing with his, with his daughters and he's so trying to impress them and he wants them to, you know, I I just think he really, Tom Hooper went to a real effort to illustrate the family relationship that he had. And this just occurred to me right now when I said, and Lionel too. Yes, he did too. Yeah. I think that there, this whole movie because it is basically about the friendship of two men, mm-hmm. was serving all of the sort of extra scenes were serving to illustrate how they're very similar. Sure. And they both, you know, are family men, and they, you know, both sort of d- 
didn't live up to their own expectations kind of thing. Like, you know, there's this element of, you know, that the king, you know, up until kind of the very end, like, he was conflicted within himself of, like, he knew he could be a king, but he was so put upon by the his family, as in his, uh, you know, father and brothers who always right. told him he wasn't good enough, he wasn't smart enough, but, you know, when they have their first and really their only big falling out, you know, uh, Lionel points out to him, you know, of course you've been thinking about this because why else would you want to fix your stutter? Like, he kind of points out to him that he has to know that he's probably going to be king at some point. Mm-hmm. And he gets very upset about the, at right. the thought of that because he's such a conflicted man, having been told his whole life he's not good enough, you know, but obviously knowing somewhere within himself that he's certainly better than his brother and, you know, his brother's going to run the country, you know, into the ground. So... I don't know what I started that thought with, but well, you just, I mean, you're I mostly just, just talking about that it is a lot of family dynamics, and you know, I don't want to make this podcast too much about John Adams. It's just a parallel I keep seeing. Is you know, I, I think that was kind of really he, he really established the same kind of approach there, which is that you've got the family element going on because that is a really influential part of telling a real person's life. You can't you can't really ever understand a great historical figure, I think, unless you understand the kind of family they came from and their upbringing. And they get they they get into it a pretty good amount here, but they I, I like that they didn't spend too much time talking about how he was clearly he had such a difficult childhood. Obviously, they talk about he didn't really see his parents very much at all, and when he did, there was a it was an awkward relationship with his father. And, you know, I like, I like also something that I saw as a parallel to, to some stuff we saw in John Adams a lot was um, he takes these very big, iconic moments that these men have to go through in their lives where everyone goes, oh, yeah, that was the day. that And, and it's on film somewhere and there's pictures of it. But he goes, you know, he sort of recognizes at some point this was an actual person living this moment and it was probably it was probably very uncomfortable it was probably not fun for them and in this in, in John Adams the one that sticks out to me is there's a there's a moment where he goes to meet the king he goes to meet actually a character mentioned in this movie king george the 3rd um and and it's this very awkward meeting and and it's it's a it's a you know it's a historic moment, but it's it's a very uh, socially awkward moment between two people who don't kind of don't know what to say to each other. And here, you get, to me, that moment that he was sort of trying to do that is the I guess it's called the is it the accession or the ascension? I, I don't think I read it correctly. I have no the idea. Accession ceremony where basically it's where he's being uh, sworn in under the Church oh, right. of England. Uh, into the into the job, not not the thing at the church where he has to speak, but the the moment where it's just him yeah. in his kind of full military looking stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, he's walking all through the building through these rooms, and he's it's you know it looks it looks not fun. It looks like it's very uh, nerve wracking for him, and obviously I think he goes in there and clams up, and and later we sort of it's inferred that he did not do well in that in that sort of setting but um you know i really like 
I really like that approach to telling a historical story where there are these big figures involved that, that it's like breaking it down to the psychology of the person and not making it look like a big her- heroic inhuman person. It's that well, it's all the more impressive that it was a guy that's just like us who was having to go through all this. Well, and I was thinking to myself, you know, what makes a movie like this so uh, affecting? And I was thinking, you know, is it just that, you know, oh, they're just like us element. But I think really what it is, is that, you know, it becomes for him that this little thing, you know, which at the end of the day, uh, in the life of a king, a stutter is not the biggest thing, but that's like his great challenge for that, you know, 15-year period of his life. And it sort of validates all of the things that we struggle with, that yes, it's not a world war, but, you know, you struggle with something within yourself, and it, it takes on such importance, and it affects every little part of your life, and that's sort of, I'm like, that's really what you respond to as a viewer, you know, that's where the catharsis comes in, is that you go, like, even this, you know, man who went on to be kind of a, you know, beloved ruler, I'm assuming, I don't know anything about Yeah, he did, no, look. I mean, he led them through a war. He did okay, but he did do, I mean, he was important, the stutter was important because... Yeah, he but was I'm just the, saying, like, in the terms voice of, of his people. You know, you know, what history books write, you know, is, you know, he led his he led his country through this world war and, you know, whatever. And what this movie allows us to see is that, you know, he has, you know, it's not even really demons. I mean, I guess you, you sort of discover that the stutter is based on having been kind of tormented and tortured as a kid. But, you know, in his day-to-day life and his, you know, adult life that is, you know, with a loving wife and children, you know, he still struggles with this thing that was really just a byproduct of his, you know, unhappy childhood. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives gravitas and, you know, it validates us as as people struggling with everyday things to go like, you know, it's okay, it is important. It's not a world war, but it is important to you, and that makes it important. Thank you. Yeah, and again something that we saw a lot in John Adams too. It was, it was, uh, the stuff that got equal time to like the revolutionary war. Well, was no, like John his Adams kids, basically his avoided. kids getting married and, and whether or not he liked the, the people that his kids were marrying and stuff like that. Well, no, John Adams, very much the structure of that was that what you, what was filmed, what was shown on screen was the stuff in between the stuff that we all right. know. Yeah. Right. And that was sort of what made that noteworthy but you need to stop talking about john adams we're like two of four people who saw it uh, i know i'm just i'm just trying to you know i'm just trying King's to speech, say on the other hand was should we discuss oh my gosh by the way i mean look if if our theater was any indication and, and actually a friend of ours um ruth scallon posted on facebook when i mentioned that we were going to see this that she tried to go see it and it was sold out too and uh, I, I don't know where she was trying to see it but but it's our our screening in Vestavia Hills, Alabama, on a Sunday afternoon, two o'clock. Uh, if it wasn't sold out, it, it was on. The, out, it, was it was on. The, it was on the seven the edge. eight full. Oh, at least yeah. I mean, look, there was there were not there were not any empty seats other than that front section. Incidentally, I meant to say to you when I mentioned earlier before the movie that I was going to get popcorn, you snarkily said, I don't have to eat something to watch a movie. And I would like you to know that I waited in a 10-minute deep line full of people who had to eat something to watch a movie. We were all going to be late, so I'm not the only person who likes to eat popcorn in a movie. Did you? Did we just start talking about that on a podcast? Yeah, we did, man. Eating popcorn at a movie? Yeah, because you were acting like I was a maniac for, like, 
having to I need the popcorn for the full movie going experience. I know. Well, nobody else was getting out of line either. <laughs> Everybody needs their popcorn. <laughs> so there. They've got you where they want you. Then the theater people. Oh, shut up. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised that in the, in the neighborhood where we saw the the movie. Yeah, it wasn't a bunch of old people in the theater. There though. were a it was lot an of older people. Mixed crowd. Yeah, it was. But I think this movie is going to do really, really well with older people. Well, and it's going to get good word of mouth. Yeah, because you leave the movie floating on air. It's just such a like uplifting, moving story. Even even though this isn't a fair comparison at all in terms of the quality of the movie and the the style of it or anything, if you want to look at a comparison to last year, to a movie that was in the slate last year of Best Picture nominees. This is the blind side of this year in terms of broad appeal. This is the one that, it, and this, to, listen, this is a much better movie than The yeah. Blind Side. Much better. But this is the one that uh, your mom and... That's exactly what I was going to say. If I leave a movie going like... I, I actually just sent my mom yeah. an email. I was like, yeah. "We just saw the King's Speech, and you and Dad would love it." This that is, to me is. But like, I meant the I meant the royal your mom. You know, everybody's mom would like the King's Speech, and it's it's just a uh, it, this is going to be the one that, that I, I I would say. You know, it's hard to know looking at all the the movies that are that are kind of in the running because obviously Inception made a ton of money, so this one won't be there. But of everything else other than Inception and like Toy Story three, this will be the big commercial. Which is uh, so award strange. season hit. I didn't expect that at all. I thought this was like an art house movie. I was surprised it was in the big theater and then like knocked over when it was a full yeah. theater. Like I had no idea. I thought this was like under the radar. I thought you and I knew it because we read Entertainment Weekly. And we funny, funny, I had no idea this many people were going to see. Funny this enough movie. that really Colin Firth is probably the biggest star in it, and he's not a big American star. I mean, he can't. Oh no! This I mean, he, he doesn't he doesn't like open blockbusters or anything. Well, so he did it this weekend. I'll be interested to see what the numbers look like for this, and whether this we were just maybe an, is higher than the an, first week. an aberration as far as we go for our theater. But it was, uh, yeah. you know, you, Colin Firth is is a name people know. Jeffrey Rush is kind of a name people know in terms of he's been in a lot of uh, award nominated movies. No, but these are not people that you go up to the counter and say, "I want to see the Jeffrey Rush." No, movie. no, definitely you not. Know? I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. These are not names that are bringing people to the theater, which, again, is why I'm stunned. I really didn't – I did not expect that at all. I just really thought that we were, like, in the know, and that's why we were going to see it. I did not think that this many people would be there. And sure enough, and we were worried because we were mm. in our long line to get tickets, and everybody kept saying, the King's Speech, the King's Speech. We were everybody like, was getting – was seeing the King's Speech. I was really pleased that, that the kid right after us said Yogi Bear. I was just glad – there's one person at least that I have to fight for a seat. Yeah. Well, so I want to talk about some of the the supporting performances too because well, I mean, for one, I think everybody's everybody's good and they have their moments, but um, and you know, I, I think some of them are just kind of they're just really good actors who are just kind of there getting it done, which I which is how I would uh, that's how I would categorize Helena Bonham Carter and Guy Pierce. What? Mm-mm. But. No. To me, to me, Michael Gambon does a really good job as the Poor father. Dumbledore, as I had to lean over and go, is that Dumbledore? He was very good. He had some good moments uh, and, a, and a really sad moment, too. 
I thought he played that sort of towards the end there. He did a re- he did a good job in that scene. Mm-hmm. Also, really liked, and I had to look his name up, but Timothy Spall, who you know as Wormtail, yeah, from uh, Harry Potter. Stop! You're you're blowing my secret. Yeah, but also he was also in Sweeney Todd, and he's he's, he's been in everything. A, he's been in a lot of if stuff. If it's a British film, he's he in it. he is his uh, his Winston Churchill is really entertaining to watch, and mm-hmm. honestly. I would honestly maybe give consider giving him a Best Supporting Actor nomination. It's way fun, that character. Yeah. Because he's, he, he brings it... He's an important character in the movie, too, because he bring, he drops in that uh, that bit about having a speech impediment you yeah. know, at the end there and that he overcame it. And, and Winston Churchill's maybe the only character in this movie that uh, continues to not be humanized, that he is sort of every bit the legend that he's supposed to be. Which, you know, that's fun. It's good to still have this. It, you can you can have somebody show up on screen as Winston Churchill, and everybody goes, "Oh, it's Winston Churchill. We know what to expect." You know, but he did a really, he did a really fun job with that. But let me tell you, I have to disagree with you on Helena Bonham Carter because I think she was in a sort of thankless role. I think she brought a lot of kindness and human nature. And, you know, and I don't think it was just that it was written well, and it was written well, but I think she was very, like, I think she was great. I think you're totally off the mark to say that she was just standard. I thought she really I don't think brought, she did a bad job. I just don't think she had, she didn't really have much, uh, she didn't have a lot of room to work, you know. No, see, I think she was the driving force between, you know, uh, not between anything. She was what, you know, she's the one who was kind of quietly pushing him. She was, as much as you hate to say it, but it was the, you know, 20s and 30s. She was the woman behind the man, and she was the one who was giving him strength and comforting him and encouraging him. And actually, again, in the parallels that we see between the king and Lionel, you know, they both have these wives who are quietly, like, urging them to do the right thing. Right. You know, and his, Lionel's wife, you know, was like, you need to go apologize. (laughs) You know, and she kind of, it was, I really liked that relationship, too, that they really didn't mince words. And mm-hmm. they were clearly, like, fond of each other. But, you know, they also respected each other as equals, which here again, you got to see in the king's marriage, you know, that they really respected each other and responded to each other and cared for each other. And I think they added, like, she was just a very nice, like, bit of warmth and kind of humor, too. You know, they made her kind of very wry <clears throat> with a W, you know, personality when she met Lionel's wife and, you know, when she met Lionel for the first time. You know, I think she was great. I think it was... Yeah, I think she did a lot with what she was given. And, you know, she was definitely a supporting character. But I think every moment between she and the king was very, very affectionate and very loving and really, like, you know, was quite lovely. I'm not saying she did anything wrong. I'm just saying she didn't didn't get to have her Oscar clip in this movie. There is no... uh, She's not going to get a Best Supporting Actress nomination because she didn't get the material to give her a big showy moment like that. And I didn't think Guy Pierce really did either because he's although, you know, I guess Guy Pierce maybe his his moment in the movie is probably uh you know, when he's when when his father dies, which is the moment that he has become the king and and people in the room start kissing his hand and he yeah, loses but isn't, it. Wasn't the, but wasn't the minute that he was actually pretending? Because then when he goes like, what was that about? I didn't understand that scene because he like grabs his mother and starts weeping and then 
when uh, oh no, he wasn't pretending. Birdie goes after him. He was like, "What was all that about?" And he's totally like fine and together. I think he was well, like no, for he, some reason doing a he, show. No, he had to pull it back together. I, no, he definitely lost it. It was supposed to be sincere, and I think it was because uh, I think when he gets to the top of the stairs, he's he's composed himself. But the pro- the problem is he uh, he did not want the job because it meant that his uh, fate had been chosen for him and and this was not a guy who wanted his you know he was wanting to go live his own life and do his own thing and he was not thinking about the future and uh, you know I think he didn't he didn't like I mean it, it, I, I think it was just sort of it had all hit him because he wasn't that was the whole point of him was he wasn't planning to for being the king, the way he was living his life was not uh, showing foresight for when he was going to have to be the king because he wasn't going to be able to marry her. And and we never confirmed that, by the way. But I think I you think can totally get divorced. No, if you're the but king. I think ultimately, no. But see, I think what they were saying was you can't marry as, a divorced woman. I, I, but I think that when they reiterated it, I think what they were saying was that as the head of the church, you can't marry a divorced person. So, like, maybe you can get a divorce, but you can't, knowing you know, knowing that you're the head of the Church of England, you can't marry a divorced person. You can't somewhere. marry a former... Li- so that was a taboo. Or something. Because I don't I, know. Because the whole point of the Church of England was so that Henry VIII could get a divorce. Right. So, so. I don't know if that's what the in- implication was, was just that you can't, you know... Once you are the head, you can't be, like, getting together with somebody. Right. Who's I don't really know. Yeah. I, I didn't know a lot about that story, and I honestly... Because the way it's sort of the little bits and pieces I had heard over my life, by the way, about King Edward, was that it was this romantic story that he had abdicated the throne so that he could be with the woman he loved. And I guess part of that, part of what's happening in the movie is... They're trying to tell that story when he makes his speech too. Is oh, I'm I have to, I can't be the king, and be with the woman that I love, and obviously, this movie would tell you the story is a little bit different. That it's basically a matter of sort of public decency and and shaming the family and all that kind of stuff. So I I really was not aware it was that well, it was I didn't that know scandalous. About anything. That's the good thing about me and me and knowing nothing about history is that like <laughs> this was all news to me. I mean, <laughs> you didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I, I, I didn't know. I mean, you, I, I assumed he was going to get rid of the stutter, but that's as far as my knowledge <laughs> went on the topic. I mean, you knew that you knew that the Germans weren't going to win the war. Yes, I did have that yeah. going for me, but beyond that, I have very, very, very little knowledge of history. I'll say it right here. So, I mean, but there is some fun in that because, again, like, things that you were, like, probably waiting for to happen, I was like, what? <laughs> That's happening now? Oh. <laughs> Why well, I didn't wonder. That was, um, you know, that was a really interesting parallel, too, they bring up at the end. And they didn't really look in, they didn't really explore it that much, but the idea that there's this guy on the other side, which is sort of raising the stakes again, that the the guy on the other side of the war that's about to happen is a hugely dynamic speaker and they're watching that film of him well, yeah. going off in the speech that it, that you know it his, it makes it even more says, what is he saying daddy right yeah i don't know but he's saying it really well saying it very well yeah yeah i mean yeah, well i mean that's the communication point. was important and that's how a big part of how hitler got where he was anyway was that dude could make a speech man 
you know, he he would he could show up and blow people away. Well, exactly. And I mean that is that is, you know, just another theme in this which, you know, is underlined by his dad before he rips him a new one saying, you know, like you have to be a movie star now, which right, and yeah. he was saying it's ridiculous, but that's what it is. You have to be you know, you can't just live your life behind closed doors now that there's radio and television. Like, you have to be, you have to have a front. And it's part of your job now, and you have to learn to do it. So. Yeah, and, and obviously the that that was sort of emphasized at the very beginning. The opening shot of the movie is a close-up of a, a radio microphone. Because mm-hmm. that's sort of, you know, that's the whole reason why it's even an issue with him. Is because of the, the invention of radio. Well, and like his wife says, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to live the life in front of everybody, but then I thought, oh, you've got such a beautiful, you've got such a lovely stutter, no one will ever bother no, us. Right, yeah. Um, and I, l- let me let me bring this one thing up, because this is, this is the only other sort of issue I want to hear your opinion on. This movie is rated R. Mm-hmm. And... It's rated R because of only one thing, which is the swearing, which is a part of the therapy that he swears when, uh, and it helps him speak more smoothly. And a lot of people have pointed out, too, the swearing is not contextual. So it's not saying, uh, the, the F word is not talking about anything specific. It's not talking about an action or anything. He's just yelling it to yell it. It's an expletive. So... You know, since since obviously uh, you have strong opinions, you're a mother now. You th- you can think about a movie when you're watching it to go. You know, at what point would I let my child watch this movie? Oh, I don't let a ten year old watch this movie. Honestly, would you really? Yeah, and I don't. You- I mean, there's nothing offensive in it. I mean, I would. You know, obviously, you'd have to say to your kid, "These are words we don't say." But right. by that point, they would know it. They know the words. And, yeah. I mean, you know, really, you say my kid, and that's true, she is a measure, but really, again, it's my parents. If I could say to my parents, in good conscience, you will enjoy this movie, then it is, I think it's okay for pretty much everybody, you know, like... Well, yeah, they wouldn't be offended, but I, I think the kid thing comes in, because I think this is a movie that a lot of people were upset with that rating, because they said, I actually would would maybe want my kids to see this movie, because it's... Especially if you're talking about a kid who has confidence problems, mm-hmm. which a lot of kids, like you say, like a 10-year-old, still still are dealing with stuff like that. That this is about, because really what he overcomes in the end is this lack of confidence in himself. And it's an inspiring movie. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of in the vein of Seabiscuit from a few years ago. It's a movie that I really do think there's really nothing, uh, like you said. You there's can tell offensive You can this. tell a kid. I would tell anyone. Yeah. You can go see this movie. I mean, I only say 10 because, you know, younger than that, you just might not be interested in a historical drama. But, right. you know, 10 or 11, when a kid can sit through a movie and be interested in it, you know, there's there is nothing offensive in this movie. That scene isn't yeah. remotely offensive. Because, ran- because random expletives aren't is, offensive. You know, yeah. he sort of is also making the point that this guy obviously has a temper that he gets, you know, he kind of flies off the handle quickly and easily. And he's making the point of, you know, when, you ha- when you're yelling at someone, you don't have a stutter. You know, it's that is to me like a non-issue, and I mean, and I I don't even you know, I would kind of hate it if they had dumbed it down to get a PG thirteen too though. Because well, they weren't is, gonna, yeah. It's such a nice movie, and it's a great movie because it's heartwarming and it's moving. But it is also there's moments of levity in it, like it's just 
I, in my old age and in my, you know, when I used to go see movies every week, sure, I'll go see, the, like, the deep, dark ones, and I'll go see Blue Valentine, as we've discussed. I'm not really interested in seeing a movie that I know will be depressing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, this makes me, like, a plebeian, I guess, but I want to go to a movie and enjoy myself and leave it feeling a little bit better about my life or a little bit better about just life in general and the world. And, you know, I don't get to go to the movies that often, so I want to go to movies that are feel-good movies. And that makes me, like, a CBS audience, you know, 40-year-old woman or something. But that is the fact. And so this movie was a completely satisfying experience. It's what I want to see on my Christmas break or the end of my Christmas break. I want to leave it happy. You know, it makes me feel good. It made me shed a few tears, laugh a few laughs, like... This is this was just a very satisfying movie going experience, and I think that that's what I'm saying. I think second weekend it's going to make more money because I think most people no, I well, think everyone in the out. theater left you know feeling the same way I do that like that's just such a life affirming movie. Like I'm going to go everybody when I say to anybody that I saw the King's Speech, I'm going to say, and it was a good movie. You should really go see. Well, it. you remember what happened at the end of the movie in our theater, right? There was a little applause, a little Ran- smattering of applause. Yeah, random applause. The, the old movie theater applause thing, which is always ridiculous, but it's no, an indicator. it's lovely. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, no one's there that was involved in the making of the movie. No, but again, that's just a, <laughs> that is saying, like, yes, that's that's your amen. Yeah. I agree. Right. I liked this movie. Yeah. I don't mind. I do no, think it's, it's fine. Ridiculous. It's fine. But. Whatever. I don't mind it. But I really think that, you know. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine anyone having left this movie and going like, eh, it was all right. Yeah, I agree. It's, like I said, it's the, it's the feel good of the, what will be the best picture slate this year. And that's going to make it do well because there are people who's, who want a movie to root for at the Oscars. And this is the one well, I think the me, mainstream people will root for. As we kind of discussed when we were discussing Oscar stuff last year, like there's a certain type of mu- movie that to me feels like an Oscar movie and this mm-hmm. feels like an like you want it to win best yeah picture. this is deserving yeah you know and like you know like I like the district nines and I guess I appreciate where the avatars come from but there's a certain like gravitas human spirit that you want in a movie that's gonna win you know which is why when like Chicago wins you're like what like that one the best pick yeah this doesn't feel like a best picture and this feels like a best picture to me you know it's, yeah it's, this isn't like this is like in the Amadeus category. This is in like yeah. the, you know, uh, I, it's better than A Beautiful Mind, but it's that kind of movie. It's the movie. It's a human story. Yeah. You know. That's that's what I like to see recognized at yeah. the Oscars, which I didn't mean to bring it into that. I'm no, just that's saying. fine. Look, we go where we go with these things. Oh, except for if we go to popcorn, we get yelled at. <laughs> so, speaking of life affirming. Popcorn is life affirming. It is, sir. Yeah, it certainly is. And I did wait in that long line, and I still only came in at the end of the Blue Valentine thingy, just in time to see me wiping away a tear, wiping tears away from the trailer, crying like a little girl in a dress. (laughs) By the way, also last thing, um, the old man in the theater seat next to you. Totally boxed you out on the cup totally. holder, right? 100%. I went to put my cup in the holder, and he did not even pretend like he wasn't going to use that That's what you get when you go time. see the King's Speech in Vestavia, by the way. the old You're going to get an old man boxing you out of the cup holder. He was wearing a trench coat, and he totally was 100% using the entire armrest. Wouldn't let me... And I so I had, like, 
popcorn in my lap, and I was, like, holding a drink. I think eventually I used yours. Sorry, buddy. That's all right. But, you know, I don't I don't like people. I don't like having to sit close to them. So I was, I was actually sore on one side because I was, like, leaning towards you the whole movie. <laughs> to not be near the... The gross. I couldn't help man. it. He was using like you know, twenty percent of my area with yeah. his arm and trench coat, guy. <laughs> so I didn't want to hug everybody after the movie. Didn't want to hug him. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for uh, podcasting with me as usual. My pleasure, sir. And by the way, if you ever want to listen to any of our previous Cinematrimony podcasts, you can find them at filmnerds.com. Uh, or you can find them on iTunes if you go to uh, just go to iTunes and search for Film Nerds, and uh, you can subscribe to our podcast, and you can find the last several episodes we've done. Thank you, Matt. That's helpful information. I will do it tonight. All right then. Okay then. All right. Thank you, Francesca. You're welcome, Matt. Bye. Bye. <laughs>